For many of us, show season is winding down, or maybe it's ended. But before you put everything away, you'll want to take a little time to do the job right. On this week's episode of Goat Gab, Cameron and I discuss packing up the show season and how to ensure that you aren't missing some important details. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Cameron. I'm Laura. We're happy to be here today. Um, it's a beautiful Sunday morning when we're recording this, and and I don't know about you, Cameron, even though it's still hot, it has that fall feeling. It kind of does have that fall feeling, and you know, I think that really, I think it really starts with the goats being in heat, and I've been watching over the last couple of days as we got back from the show, and I mean, they've just been flagging and flagging, and we thought some were in heat yesterday, but I had a date I had to get out to. My dad had a date we had to get to, so we let him flag a little longer. Yeah, that's how it's been here. Um, the poor boys have been, you know, pacing the fences and and telling us that they are more than willing to take care of the problem out in the barn, and the girls are all riding each other and, and having crazy, but we've held off so far, so... Uh, next, the next go around will be busy time for us. See, and I, I feel like that, you know, I don't see a lot of action in my milkers, but my kids have been crazy in heat. Very strange. Oh gosh. I think we've had a few kids, but it's been, it's gone through all of our milkers, like from the beginning to the end. So I think there's a couple does we haven't seen flag, including some of our older does that live in the geriatric ward. Those, they haven't come into heat yet, but generally they're a little later breeders there. So, um, you know, we had our first goat pass over. Um, it was exciting because he was, she was bred to a virgin buck. So she was able to get the job done apparently because she's not in heat. So that's exciting. So we were excited about that. And uh, she was a problem breeder last year. So um, we are rocking and rolling, I guess, ready for January. Oh, that's even better. Good to know all around. <laughs> yeah, lots of good things there. But Laura, what happened at your farm this week? Nothing. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say nothing. You know, it's it's just kind of nice. You know, um, it's it's been kind of busy for me at work. So um, my daughters have picked up the slack a little bit out in the barn, but it hasn't been a terrible burden for them either because we're starting to dry everybody off and uh, the does. Cutting down to once a day milking with my does really drops their production a lot. I mean, it's almost like their thought is, if I don't get to come twice a day, I'm just not going to bother. And and um, I don't know if it's like this in everybody's herd, but you know, we'll we'll have them very eager for that once a day milking for a while, and then it'll start to slack off, and then we'll have does who just won't even bother to come up for that once a day. So I'm like, okay, if you want to skip it, you're skipping it, and that's that's kind of a nice gradual end of milking season that we see out here. So that's, yeah, that's just about it. Um, put our first cedar in yesterday on a doe who's going to be a recip for uh, kind of an exciting thing. We, we did um, some work with Transova last year, um, trying out a new process for sexed embryos. So uh, we had one embryo that, that made it through, our uh, work there. And so we're going to put her in this year. So I'm really excited to see if that one embryo takes and, and we get our uh, one single baby girl that 
it says that it is. So we'll see so how is, that goes. So is that a dough or are these out of your doughs or can you tell me? I mean, yeah. I'm sure you can. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's so um, it's out of a uh, dough that I had named Whimsy, who is one of my favorites. And um, we bred her to Charmer and um, had one embryo that made it through the whole f- we bred her with sexed semen. So it made it through that whole process and it was reverse sorted semen. So um, it should be a, it should be a girl embryo that we put in there. So if I'm really lucky, that embryo will split and I'll get twins. But anyway, I'm just hoping for a girl. Hmm. Well, that's exciting. And I hope you get a girl, a very exciting breeding as well. And um, again, whimsy, a beautiful doe. I'm not going to lie there on that one. And uh, uh, definitely one of my favorites in your herd there as well. But um, yeah, very excited for you. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty tickled too. So Whimsy got a new home this year, which was a really hard, hard thing on my part to see her go. Um, but so it'll be fun to have a baby out of her. That's what I'm saying. Another baby. So. Yeah, that's exciting. So that's that's really it. What's you've been you've been showing? You had your last show of the year. Yes, we had our last show of the year, the Sandwich Fair, and you know there comes a time when you go to these fairs, there's a payback, which is really nice, and that payback helps offset some of the costs of the goats. And this fair has a tremendous payback, and we made just about as much money we would at, at a big state fair as we would make here. So we made. Um, you know, a little over fifteen hundred dollars at the, at this fair, and you know that's the equivalent to us going to like the Indiana State Fair, Wisconsin State Fair. So a tremendous payback show and some tremendous goats as well. There was over two hundred and eighty four two hundred eighty four goats at this show in the middle of the week in after September after Labor Day. That's perfect. That'd be fun. Yeah, it was a great show. It was the biggest show on the fairgrounds as well. So that's always exciting where, you know, we are the predominant number of species there um, and had a good time. And most importantly, I got to spend some time with my grandpa. Oh, I am so glad that he got to go with you guys. Yeah. So this was his second show of the year. And my grandfather is, uh, you know, he's he's getting older. and But he spent the time. He was a trooper. He really enjoyed the fair, he told me when we left. So um, it was it was really good to do that and spend that time with him and and the goats obviously did well and we got an insurance leg on an alpine so we know for a fact that she is finished so you know a nice a nice way to end the show season well for sure yes that's that's a good thing well congratulations thank you thank you so we're excited there uh, we got another load of straw another ninety three bales of straw we loaded yesterday and got some hay as well um, and then uh, I would. We got that because I'm gearing up for some more road time this week. So um, they won't have to go get hay and straw while you're gone. That's a good Cor- thing. Correct. So my dad can yeah. just do the chores away here. And um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm gone for the next week-ish. Um, and I'll be obviously making a pit stop at Maple Wind as well. So that's always exciting. Yes, we're going to get to record in person next week. That'll be fun. Yes. Um, yeah. Laura, is there anything happening in Nadga? I don't think so. It looks to me like, again, they're starting to whittle, whittle down on the backlog of things with NG. And, um, you know, I, I'm, 
I'm excited about that because as we know, things slow down in the fall in some ways, but then other things come up. It'll be interesting to see how um, butt collections are handled with uh, maybe the potential of some younger bucks not being registered yet. Yeah, so I, just, I saw that on Facebook this morning. Yeah, hopefully that gets taken care of and they find out a good process for it. I, I have confidence that they'll figure it out. Um, you know, we just all need to be patient, keep really good records and, and kind of go from there. So, yeah, absolutely. I do have a success story I need to talk about with the NG system, which I thought was really cool. So I, I felt good. like I needed to share. Um, we had a lady that bought a goat from us in the fall or in the spring and she sent the paper to Edgar in and didn't. Really, and it might have got lost. I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know the backstory or everything. I don't know if this person even listens to us. But um, we were able to go into our account and then say sold goat with papers, and we could transfer that goat to that person. And then the coolest part about it is, is that we marked it as paid by paid by the new owner, and then it ended up in their cart in the NG system. Okay. Okay, that's really cool. Yeah, I know, right? And I was like, oh, this is easy. We don't even have to pay for it. All it is a click, 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 and boom, boom, boom. I'm assuming they get the papers then. Uh, I'm assuming because, I mean, it's a push-pull transaction there. So very exciting. Like, that's a good success story. So when you find out for sure that those papers came to the new owners, let us know. Because I know that has been an ongoing issue that the papers still go back to the person that that bred the animal, even when they say send papers to the new owner. So yes. um, let's hope that that, that we continue to make progress on that. I mean, to me, that's not a deal breaker. If the animal gets registered, they get registered and it, it's, you know, okay. So I have to send the papers on, but yeah. if it works the way it's supposed to, that's like totally cool. Yeah. No, it, it's exciting. I was, I was excited to see it actually work like that. Um, and, and just to be very excited about it. So that's yeah. again a good a good success story. I'm sure we'll hear more. Obviously, um, you know we're not. It's a text message I texted you last night. Have you heard anyone who's achieved their permanent champion status? I haven't seen any, and you hadn't indicated you hadn't seen any either. I for somehow somehow it sticks in my mind that that is not something that they've started processing yet, which is going to be that's a huge project because. Um, they haven't processed any since December of last year. So that's like nine months of show wins to have to put in. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. It, it makes me wonder, has anybody even looked at those show wins? And um, as a member of the shows committee, does that mean that we're going to have a whole slew of corrections that have to come through when they start looking at those and they see that there's mistakes that have been made. So I'm, I'm hoping not, but, I am also not holding my breath on that either. Well, um, let's hope you don't look at any of my ROAs. <laughs> well, I think every judge thinks that. You know, I mean, I, I I never have thought that judges went out of their way to make sure that there were mistakes that have to be dealt with. It, you know, those oh. things happen. We're all human. And, and sometimes we have people doing the paperwork that uh, don't understand or haven't had an opportunity to do it. And, um, I really am eager for us to get an online option for filling out the ROA instead of always having it on paper, because I think hopefully that'll help say, no, no, you can't do this. You've missed some numbers or you haven't added correctly or, um, 
other issues like that. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that maybe a revamping of the report of awards can really help, but um, you know, it's, it, it's just one of those things you have to take your time and be slow about it and it, it'll be what it'll be. But I'm hopeful, yeah. hopeful that as they get those going through, we realize that some of the mistakes that were made last year on report of awards, people have kind of learned from that and moved forward. So. Yeah, we can hope at least. Um, yeah. Laura, are you ready for the main topic? I am. I'm kind of excited about this topic. It's, it seems to me like a good way to put an end to the show season. Yes. So this week we're talking about packing away the show season. We did an episode on packing for the show season. And now that Laura and I's uh, show season is wrapped up, I think this is a good episode to talk about packing it away. Obviously, we will have some geographical differences based on our listeners. Some of you guys might and gals might not have to worry about things freezing or anything, but I think there will be some good tidbits to talk about um, all year long for all year showing. I agree. And um, one of the podcasts that Cameron and I both both listen to is Beyond the Ring, and they deal more with stock show. And, and they did something about kind of um, – wrapping up their show season and and we both thought yeah, that's that's really a good idea because there are some things that you need to consider when you're at the close of any type of a season and show season is certainly one of them and and uh cameron i think i'll speak for both of us when i say that some of the things we're going to share are lessons that we've learned over the years on uh when the next show season comes around we're like oh i should have taken care of that yeah i agree on that i i think you know, just some of them mis- learn from our mistakes, hopefully. Um, and we'll admit that we're not perfect. And we've definitely had um, less than stellar experiences with packing away oh. the show season. And still continue to. As as I was talking to my daughters about this and I mentioned some things, my youngest, my youngest daughter, who's really good at keeping me honest, said, uh, Mom, we haven't done that before. I'm like, no, but we're going to this year because I learned from my mistakes. So anyway, they, they keep me honest and, and uh, keep me keep me pure on what we're talking about here. So well, uh, let's just let's jump right in. Yeah. Uh, one caveat here. It's do as we say, not as we do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. For sure. <laughs> so we'll start with the tack box. I think that's kind of the first thing there. It's kind of a, a catch all of all small items you need for a show when you agree. Yes. And if you're like my family, I looked at my tack, tack box this morning looking for something. And I realized packing up for the last show of the year, everything got dumped in there. Even though we're usually pretty good about keeping things where they're supposed to be. It doesn't look like that right now. <laughs> Ours is kind of a catch-all for things we might need to show. So um, we're constantly taking them out or re-putting them back in or forgetting to take them out and putting them back in. Mm-hmm. For sure. I agree with that. So, yeah. you know, I think a good place to start is to think about those things that you always wish that you had had in your tack box this year or the things that maybe you added because you got to a show and forgot it. And um, I was reading a post on Facebook this morning and somebody said, even though they've been showing for a very long time, they can probably tell you where every farm supply store and Walmart is in conjunction to the fairgrounds that they show at because you always forget something. So you might start out by making a list of what you have in your tack box and what you need to add in there. So that can help you help guide you next year when you're getting ready to pack. 
Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And I always, and Laura and I are big fans of Google Docs, so store that on the internet if you are an internet person, because it will always be there, and it's a searchable document in Google Docs if you do have a, a Google account. I'm, Google is not a sponsor of ours, but I, I will plug that um, as a way to keep organized and to not lose stuff, because I lose a lot of paper stuff. For sure. And um, you can update it on the road or if you have um, other people that show with you, like I have my adult daughters, they can they can pull that up from anywhere, too, and, and take a look at it if they're trying to make sure we have everything we need before we leave for a show. So it's it's easy to, to fix that. I love Google Docs, too. So, yes, one. The next thing we always talk about is removing liquids or medication Anything that might freeze or explode in the winter, that is really important. So we'll remove all of our like Shoshin, our cleaners out of there, any of the medications we brought to a goat show. Um, obviously, we're already, we, you know, some of the, the cooler stuff that we need, like penicillin that we keep, will already be out of there because it'll go back into a fridge um, there. So anything that might freeze, if you are in a freezeable area, or anything that's liquid or needs to be stored at, you know, kind of a room temperature, I would remove that from there. Yeah. And remember too, things that even if you think it might not freeze, if it's liquid or semi-liquid, you might, if you're not going to take it inside, put it in a Ziploc bag or something so that if it does break open or God forbid rodents or something get into it, it doesn't make a huge mess in the bottom of your show box. Cause I've had to clean purple Shoshin shampoo out of everything before. It was disgusting, and that stuff stains badly. So just you know, kind of keep an eye on that. So, Laura, where do you keep all of your um, freezables or liquids or extra show stuff um, not during show season? I put it in like a, a Sterilite or, you know, one of those plastic containers that has the lids that, that stack on them, and I put it in an out-of-the-way closet that – you know, I have a spare room now. So since kids have grown up and moved out, um, so, you know, in the back of that, uh, and make yourself a note on your Google doc or wherever you keep your, your notes that you don't want to forget about on where you hide stuff like that. So you don't forget next spring. Yes. That's, that's been there too. That's I told what we do as well. I just thought about that. Or Android where do you, though. Yeah, right. Where do you hide your stuff or where do you put your stuff? <laughs> so, not we have, <laughs> so we have uh, dedicated the basement in our house to um, goat stuff. Um, and then at Catherine's house, she actually has like a table in the back of the ho- back of the basement as well, where she puts all of her goat stuff for the show season. So or when it's over. So that's where we put all of our show stuff. Um, we keep it there. It's it's a nice temperature controlled. That we have a, a dehumidifier down there, so if we need to keep things um, less humid during the the winter, we can do that as well. So um, that's where we keep our stuff there, and it's our designated goat area. So it has all of our show stuff. It'll have all our medicines. It'll have all our um, vitamins, minerals, things that we need that we don't that we need to keep inside. In addition to it, keeps it's right above our AI supplies as well. So I'm guessing then that that area probably gets repurposed throughout the year, such as um, like all your kidding season supplies go there when kidding season's done. When sure. your show stuff comes out. and yeah, yes. yeah. Well, so it's just on a different shelf. So we have a whole bunch of shelving units down there and it's 
right next to the lead-based paint and the um, the canning <laughs> things. You know, the, the random yeah. assortment of stuff you have in your basement. Sure. Right, right. That makes sense. <laughs> well, one other thing I'd like to throw out there, and I know that we've that I that I have mentioned this before about how collars have um, the potential for migrating away from your show stuff. So you know, you switch your show collar off with your take the goat home collar. You stick the show collar in your pocket, and then it ends up in the laundry room because you know you took your whites in there to wash. And and then where does it go from there? At my house, it goes into the junk drawer. So um, you know. At, at any given time, if you're missing a collar, especially for kids, go look in the ju- junk drawer because you'll probably find one there. So <laughs> I would encourage you to get together all of your collars and put them together so that you know what you have so that when you go to that first show next year, you're not combing Walmart for dog collars to, you know, put on your goats because you forgot to restock your tack box. So one um, thing with collars as well is that I would maybe take inventory of them and say, hey, I really like this. For example, we have a gold show collar that we use on all our milkers. We really like that. So maybe add that to like a Christmas list or an Amazon wish list or, or something like that. So when you or someone goes to buy you something for Christmas or you know maybe your birthday's um, there. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about that. Uh, my birthday, by the way. Um, and... Um, when we when we uh, do that, so maybe you someone will go out and buy one for you for your show collars, or maybe it's just in a place to be a constant reminder that hey, next year I need to get more of those gold show collars. Right, I agree with that, and and I think you you learn quickly which collar is your favorite and what you know how heavy a collar or how not heavy or um, which ones feel the best in your hands, which ones the goats like better. So if you as you said, take inventory of that. Um, tell people that's what you'd like to get. And I know that for me, if I'm ordering collars from Amazon, I sure hate to just order a collar. Um, but if you can keep that in your wish list, then when you're ordering other things and maybe you need to order just a few more, or if you're ordering from, I don't know, PBS animal health or Valley vet where they have like a minimum amount, if you just keep in the back of your mind, Hey, I can throw this item in there that helps that helps you to save on shipping and, and make sense. So you're not ordering things in a panic mode, but you're ordering them in a planned mode. Yes, I agree on that. And make sure the collars are stored, not in a wettable place because they do rust as well. Yeah, that's bad when they do that. Yes. I always keep, we keep ours in a pencil box actually. Oh, cool idea. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to get off topic here. For those that wished me a happy birthday on Facebook, thank you. I do appreciate that. I appreciate the love and the support that y'all reached out to me on that. Um, So I just want to say thank you. So I wanted to get that in before I forgot. Birthdays are fun. (laughs) Yes, yes, they are. So thank you, listeners, for everyone that reached out. I do appreciate that. Now back to the regularly scheduled podcast. Oh, one other point on the whole tack box thing. One thing you might consider doing at the end of the year is taking absolutely everything out of the tack box. And it kind of depends on what kind of tack box you have, but I've had the big chest kinds that roll and then I've like have a a tall one now that opens up. But if you take everything out, wipe it out, get all the grungy crumbs and hay leaves and oily stuff that might have leaked a little bit, just do a nice cleaning so that it's all ready to go for next spring. That's always kind of a nice thing to do to close out your year. So we like to do that. Sometimes we do that actually in the fall and the spring actually, 
So, because our tech box will sit actually in in the barn all year, so we'll do that in the spring. But yeah, that's a great idea as well. There. Yeah, just you know, ha- have maintenance for cleaning out the grunge every so often. Anyway. Yes. Yes, I agree on that. There. Uh, next up on our list is let's talk about trailers and tra- winterizing a trailer. Yeah, you have a little more experience in this, Cameron, so I'm going to defer to you on this. <laughs> one thing as well, one thing that we always start with is we clean out our trailer. We clean it, we strip all the, the bedding out of there, um, and we do that, one, because we don't want to get to next year and we have to clean it out because that always stinks and, and it always ends to do that. We always end up doing that. And additionally, uh, we uh, also like to use our trailer as a love shack, as I'll call it. So <laughs> we'll, we do we'll that a, too. <laughs> you know, the trailer Everybody is, does the love, it, it is the love shack. <laughs> let's be real. So we will put a buck in there. We'll put a dough in there. Maybe we didn't have enough time, um, you know, in the morning or chores or anything, or maybe we're just tired and we want to put them at night. So uh, having it cleaned out and some fresh sheets in there um, are, are really good for, to make that love connection. I love it. You know, something that I discovered this year, uh, we did not clean the trailer out uh, between a kind of a longer break between shows. And I thought, well, the bedding wasn't too bad. I won't worry about it. Um, And it's an aluminum trailer. So I didn't worry so much about rusting out the bottom or, you know, rotting out the bottom if it had a wooden floor. Uh, what I didn't know is is uh, we came back to a whole colony of mushrooms that were growing in the trailer. So, um, and, you know, goats will nibble anything, and I don't know if they're safe for them or, or whatever. So just, you know, just be mindful that you might get more than what you're bargaining for if you don't clean it out. Yes. Besides it being a stinky, yucky mess. Yes, we had some mushrooms as well growing there as well. So, um, yeah, so I agree on that. That's huge. We have an upper deck in our trailer, so we actually do take that out. And some people have upper decks as well built into their trailer, or they build them with wood uh, in their trailer for kind of an upper upper area to store tack and hay and straw and stuff. So I always advise taking those out uh, for the winter, um, especially if they are made of wood, because you don't want those to um, get water on them, the wood in there. Oh, gosh, yeah. I didn't think about that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it's important to clean out your trailer if you do have a wood floor in order to make sure that there's no liquid um, really being trapped in there for the whole winter. Are there other things Are there other things that you can do with a wooden trailer too? Is there something you can spray it with to treat it or just keep it dry or I don't I have know not a lot about heard. that. I don't know either because it's been so long since we had a wood floor trailer. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but I'd like to know, and I think we've got an episode cooking in the back, in in at least in my mind about trailers that I want to bring in an expert on. So um, maybe we'll save that for the trailer episode. Awesome. Or maybe some of our listeners have some thoughts on that yes. that they'd like to share on yes. our page too. Yes. Um, I know one thing my my dad always kind of imparted in my head is that you know regular maintenance to your trailer is an important thing on things like your tires, repacking your bearings, getting your brakes looked at, um, you know, things that, that if you can make it through a show year, that's awesome. Things you probably need to do in the off season. So again, you're ready for that next season. You're not scrambling around trying to get those things done. Yes, I agree on that there. Um, repacking your wheel bearings is great. And when they do repack your wheel bearings, they'll be able to look at your, 
um, uh, your uh, brakes on that too. Always recommend getting those replaced five every five to ten years. Maybe look at your tires as well there. Uh, maybe determine if there's any cracks. Check your spare tires there. Um, and really make sure that you have the correct tire trailers or excuse me trailer tires on your trailer as well and maybe budget for some new trailer tires if you know yours are kind of worn or um, maybe they don't have the correct size of trailer tire on there because um, that's really important and that's something I found out the hard way this year so as somebody who hasn't had to deal with that because I've had other people who kindly took care of that for me um, how how do you know? Who do you who do you talk to? How do you know that you have the correct type of tire on your trailer? So I just literally called my I called my manufacturer of my trailer, and I asked them what they recommended, whether it was a specific ST, which is a small trailer tire, or an LT light truck tire on this year, um, and they recommended the ST for my trailer. So always, and I always recommend this is call the manufacturer if you don't know and ask what they recommend. Yeah, it might take a little prodding, a little more time, but that way you'll make sure you'll have the correct, correct weight distribution on your trailer um, and the correct tire as well in order to uh, really go the long distance. And I think if if a national show trip is in your plans for next year and it's going to be a longer trip for you, most certainly that's something you'd put on your Christmas list too. Yes, I agree on that there as well. And maybe get two tires. I remember when we blew our tire, two tires out, Everybody's commenting, well, this is why we have two tires in our tra- or, uh, spare tire and then an extra spare tire in our trailer, uh, especially when we go long distances. So that was really important there. And I was like, okay, well, maybe we need to do that for at least our trip to Pennsylvania, maybe even looking at that for Redmond as well. It makes sense to me. Good yeah, idea. So that's, in- that's important there. Um, also, check over your trailer for other things that might be broken. Um, so, for example, I looked over my trailer. We're missing a lug nut because a goat actually, we think, ate it um, during um, the tire changing process on the side of the road in Indiana. So we ordered some new lug nuts, and those were wrong, so I have to call the manufacturer again today, uh, tomorrow, excuse me. Um, And then also look at your lights as well and check all of your lights. Make sure they're working. And again, I always encourage you to check your lights over um, before as well, a couple weeks before the first goat show. Um, to make sure those are working and any rewiring that needs to be done is done there. Um, for example, one of our fender lights is out. I went and um, uh, ordered a new fender light, and then I got a new bracket as well for that still to put on. And I would imagine if you're not doing your light work yourself, your local trailer repair place would really appreciate getting to do those kind of things in the off season rather than, again, when it's crunch time and everybody's going to shows and everybody wants their trailer worked on. So you might, you might find that you can get it in and out quicker doing it in off season than you could next spring. Mm. Catherine is sitting here in the room and she texted me and said, um, maybe put rubber mats down for wood tire for wood bottoms in order to protect that wood during the off season and in season as well. Oh, okay. Good idea. There we and it go. also keeps the goats comfortable when hauling. Anything else, Catherine, you'd like to bring up for the podcast? I'm going to assume her silence means no. But if <laughs> not, she's going to text us, text me and tell me what to include because she's a little uh, podcast shy today. Yeah, she shouldn't be. She does a good job. <laughs> I, I think I so think- too, but... I think as you're packing away things too, there's always all of that equipment that you amass 
over time that you take to a show with you that probably needs some attention as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think the first thing it starts with take out all of the tack items in your trailer as well there. And clean them off. It's amazing how yeah. dusty and dirty things get in the trailer. Yeah. The gr- kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Grungy? Not grungy. Is this grungy. grungy the right word? Yeah. Grungy. grungy. Okay. Yes. Going back yeah. to the trailers real quick. Do you ever wash the inside of your trailer or disinfect it at all? Uh, you know, I've disinfected it when maybe I, I have loaned it to somebody or I've had an animal in it that was sick that I thought could be something that I don't really want to share around. Um, mm-hmm. so I've disinfected it then, but usually just like with, with bleach and then let it sit for a bit. I don't go a long ways. Now, um, the aluminum trailer that my husband so kindly lets me bar- borrow that we take to most of the shows. Um, we usually try to take it for an acid wash every year. Um, oh, if we can, if we wash. can find somebody that does that, it keeps it pretty and shiny. Um, and I think is probably good for it too. But that's that's really about it. Gotcha. Do you it, keep definitely trailer? Think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say if he hauls if he hauls cattle in it, uh, that's a whole different mess. So yes, those get washed out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you keep your trailer inside at all, or in like a carport or something? We don't. I wish yeah. we had one, but we don't. Do you? Do you keep yours inside? No. No, we put it right between the barns, and it gets. You know, I, I feel like aluminum trailers are a little bit easier to keep outside than inside, but you know, it's in my wish list of life. I'd like to have a place to keep my trailer inside, but I'd also like to keep 150 bales of big squares inside as well. I think the hay trumps the trailer. Yeah, I would agree that hay trumps the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the equipment there, Laura. All right. So, um, I didn't ever think about this before, but uh, with, with the bringing on of a new milking machine into my, uh, into my setup, one of the things the little book said that came with that milking machine is if you're not using it like over, over the fall, and this is the one that we take to shows, you really should start it up once a week just to keep things running and, and not have issues with it. So, um, as you're tearing down your milking machine, make sure everything's dried out as far as the, your lines go and your inflations and, and make sure that they're stored in a place that are going to keep rodents and everything out of it. Um, I've had two issues this year with mud daubers blocking up my um, pulsator on my milking okay. machine, which has been very traumatic because I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. So thank you to the friends that have said, uh, yeah, this is what's going on here and taught me how to tear the pulsator apart so I could figure it out. But, you know, be mindful of things like mud daubers and bugs and, and rats and mice that can get in and really wreak havoc with things like that. So put them in a safe place, make sure that they're covered up and, and do whatever prescribed maintenance is needs to be done so that next spring you have a, working milking machine that's easy to use too yeah also bring it inside if your barn is not i would just bring it inside in general keep it in more of a climate controlled area um you know we have two milk machines and actually when i go to kansas and judge the kansas state fair this weekend i am taking one of my milk machines to with me to have them look over it 
to have them um, kind of make sure everything's up to snuff to get it clean because it's still under warranty. So if you do are having problems with your milk machine and it is under warranty or maybe you just want to get it looked at, um, this is a great time to do that because you're not using it right now. For sure. Catherine says dry out the reserve tanks on that as well. That's something I do weekly. But um, again, good thing there to remind you guys. Yeah, moisture is not your friend when it comes to milking machines for sure. Yeah, absolutely. There. Uh, talking about water buckets here. Actually, let's go back. What's a mud dauber? A mud dauber? Oh, those yeah. are those kind of scary looking wasp looking things, but they're not really wasps. But they make they make those tuby looking mud nests. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no. They're usually clue. about three like inches. Thing. Maybe <laughs> that's why we call it misery. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> They they make these tube tubular nests where they lay their eggs or whatever, but they take mud and they pack it into places. And for some reason, they have thought that the pulsator on my milking machine was a great place to pack in with mud. So, mm. um, and it's like concrete, so air can't get through there. It's just it was a it was a disturbing mess. So if you don't have mud daubers, that's a good thing. Um, if, if you do have them, you know what I'm talking about. So, Okay. Okay. I just, I wanted to get that out because that definitely, I had no clue what that was. So yeah, right, I'll, well, I'll, I'll show you next weekend. I'll show you what they do. Okay. Okay. I'm looking for, I'm not looking forward to that, but, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, water buckets, moving on to water buckets. I think the biggest thing with them is just maybe bleaching them out a little bit and getting them clean and then putting them into a, a dry place. Yes, and if you can put like a big contractor-sized garbage bag or something over them after all, they're all dry and clean, think how nice that'll be next spring when you pull out those water buckets and uh, they're all sparkly clean and ready to go for your first show. Yeah, I agree on that there. Uh, moving on, feeders as well. I always encourage bleach and disinfect those after the show season. And again, get rid of all that dirt. Um, but we do use our feeders year-round. Um, for us. So we'll use them for grain in the winter. Um, so, but again, disinfecting those, I think is really important, especially if you do go to a lot of shows. Yes. And, and you can also look at them for any kind of a maintenance. Our feeders are plastic, but in the past I've had some that have brackets that come loose sometimes or, or, you know, places that just need some repair work. It's a good time to take, take a look at that with your hay feeders too, depending on what kind of hay feeder you use. Um, if you have hay feeders that you only use for shows, take some time. Are they bent? Are there, are there broken brackets on them? Are there uh, broken places that could nab a goat in the eye next year or, or catch a collar or things like that? Make sure that you have those in good shape for your following year. Yes. One thing we like to do, not necessarily during the off season because we always forget, but we like to paint our hay feeders, um, <laughs> which kind of strange, but that's what my dad does is he'll paint all the hay feeders and he takes a wire brush and then brushes all the rest off and then paints them all. Um, so that's one thing that can be done if you have a little extra time and energy and really want to paint your hay feeders um, because you're obsessed about coloration and everything has to match each other. <laughs> I love that. See, I knew your dad was a cool person. I just love that. Yeah. I think that's great. I would not go that far. No, I was kidding. Um, but that's important there, as well as check and make sure that all of the, if you have the hay feeders that do have like the brackets on the bottom, make sure they're all attached. I've got a couple that I'm going to take actually to my brother who teaches a welding class. 
um, for for high school kids, and he's going to weld them back together because they are a little loose in some areas. Well, and and again, if you have that done before next spring, you're not scrambling around trying to get all that put together. So yeah, yeah, that's a good absolutely thing. on that one there. Fans, Laura, do you clean your fans? I haven't in the past, but I'll tell you this year. So uh, my middle daughter did a really great job of organizing our garage last year and, and put all of our fans on top of the table and they were all nice and together. But like, I don't know, but if this is just my family, but sometimes show stuff tends to walk away. Like I'll borrow a fan, somebody will borrow a fan for such and such, and then it doesn't get returned. Or if it does, it's gotten wet or um, really dusty. So this might be a good time to take a look at your fans. Are they in good shape? Do they need to be blown out with a air compressor because they're really dusty and, and need to be cleaned? Have you sucked up stuff into the motor that should be cleaned out before it's stored for the season? Is your plug in good shape? Is your cord frayed or has it been chewed on? Does it need to be fixed? All those things are easy to fix in the, in the downtime rather than waiting till next year. Yeah, I agree on that. And if the fans don't work, I always say pitch them. That's that's the important thing. And currently, like, three out of our four fans are broken right now. So we'll go through and purge the stuff that doesn't work. And I think it's the same with fans as it is with clippers. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, yeah, so let's, that's a great segue into talking about clippers because I think this is a big deal. Yes, I think it is as well there. So I think let's talk about blades first, and then we'll move on to the clipper bodies, okay? Okay, that sounds great. Okay, so the blades, and I always, and I, and you know, I've made to do this every year at the beginning, and it never happened. So this year, we're going to try something different. We're going to do it at the end of the show season. Is we're going to go, and we're going to organize them all, and we're just going to send them off to get sharpened. I think that sounds like a great plan. Or is it still clicking? Now it is not. Okay. 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 Now it's good. Okay. Okay. Let's go back. We'll talk back. We'll talk. We'll, we'll open with the sharpened blades. Okay. Sounds great. Okay. So what we do, and we're, we're going to change this here this year is we're going to go through and we're going to get all of our blades from all of our clippers, tens, forties. I think we have some five F's um, and then our, our bigger body clipper blades. And we're going to send those off to get sharpened. And we're going to do this now instead of having to worry at the beginning of the show season when we actually need to clip the goats. That sounds like a perfect plan. And, and again, I bet your blade sharpener people really appreciate that. Yeah. And it's nice. And they come back in oil paper, which is really nice. And, and they just come back nice and lubricated and clean, uh, most importantly, for next year. Perfect. That Yeah, yes. that's perfect. I have a I have a question for you about clipper blades. Yeah. I think anybody who clips goats have had that experience where either the goat kicks it out of your hand or you're changing blade sizes and maybe you drop a blade and it knocks some of the little teeth out. Do you just chuck, do you just chuck those in the trash or could a blade sharpener, could you send it to them and they could use that for parts or things to fix other blades do you think there's any any need to keep them i chuck mine okay and i always have two but i thought well maybe if there's a reason to keep them no i i don't i don't feel like clipper blades are that expensive i don't know um 
And we, my dad always tends to go out and buy about like seven new pairs that year. Uh-huh. So, so it, and it seems like that's kind of just a reoccurring thing. I think we always bring at least one new 10, one new 40, and one new um, big blade into our operation each year. Um, in addition to having those that are, um, uh, what's that called? Sharpened. Right. Okay. So um, I did not get mine sent off last year, but I usually do what you just said, send them off at the end of the year so they you can start all new the next year. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and again, that oiled paper does keep them from rusting because I've had some that have gotten wet and then rusted and they're no good. You can't, I don't think there's any way to make those work after that. Yeah, I agree on there. The next thing on clippers, and this is kind of moving to the body, is we clean them. Some people will disinfect them, disinfect the clipper and the blade, um, but we but we like to just clean the actual clipper body. How do you do that, Cameron? With a toothbrush, with the okay. bad child toothbrush, and uh, throw it away after you're done with it. Yes. Yep. So we'll do that there. Just try to get all the hair out of the motor and and hair out of there because there's hair flying everywhere when you're clipping. You're not really thinking about it because you just want to get done. And depending on the type of clipper body that you have, some of them have a screen that is supposed to help get rid of or keep that hair from getting into the motor. Make sure that you clean that screen out and replace it because if if you have one of those, it needs to be there. Um, Yeah. And again, also take, take the time to look at the cord and the plug-in. Is it frayed? Does it look like it's starting to fall apart? Those can be replaced too. And usually the, Usually I've found the people that will sharpen your blades can also do some maintenance on your clipper bodies too, if you need that. Have you had any luck doing that with clippers? Because I, I have not. Um, I have. In fact, uh, they weren't at the national show this year, but at the national show in Columbus, whoever was there that was had a big old display of clippers and old blades and old clippers. I took two clippers bodies with me to that show and they repaired them. And I had them by the end of the week. Oh, wow. So that was really, it was really nice to have a backup pair. You know, they weren't my favorite ones, but they still had some life left in them. And they're the ones that I don't mind loaning out if somebody needed to borrow a pair of clippers or if all three of us, all three of us were clipping at the same time, we could all, you know, have a pair of little clippers to go to town with. So that was nice. Yeah. It was good to have that. Definitely there. And then looking and making sure you always store them in a dry place. Again, move them out of the barn. If the barn has moisture in it, move them inside. Um, Just make sure, again, they're stored and put away um, unless you are using them. So, for example, in the fall or excuse me, in the winter, um, when we do our first clips, we'll bring out a pair of clippers to do that there. Right. But at least know that that they've had some attention so you're not just grinding them into dirt and yuck forever and and there won't get any any true true uh tlc in your off time yep i agree so. there yeah what about laura display items if you choose to use them okay i'll share a story a few years ago i had we just had a banner at that time and so oh. i very lovingly wiped it off after the dirt of the state fair because believe it or not you'll you'll be surprised at how dirty things get even if they're like signs or display things and put it in a safe place and didn't find that safe place for two years. So, um, you know, again, if you have a safe place, put it, 
remind yourself where that is so you don't lose it. But, um, you know, wash them, make sure that they're, make sure whatever you use for your display. And some people are really elaborate and some people aren't, but make sure it's clean and, and put it away where you can get your hands on it next year easily when it's time to show again. Yeah, I agree on that. And again, that's super important there. Um, Laura, I think the last thing, and I think this is your thing to talk about and your baby here is the people equipment because you have some stories on this stuff. Oh, I do. So the first thing is it, and you know, if you, if you sleep in your trailer or you sleep in a hotel, this probably won't apply to you at all. But if you're, uh, if you like to sleep in the barn with your animals, you've amassed some equipment for yourself um, over time. And the first one I'd like to talk about are cots. Um, it's very easy to, fold up your cot at a show, put it back in its bag if it had one and then stick it in the garage for the year. But I'll tell you what, um, you want to make sure that you clean it off before you put it away. Make sure that there's not straw or hay or feed or whatever in that little bag and then put it someplace where it's safe. Maybe wrap it in heavy plastic, put it in your basement or a clean storage space because critters love to get in there and make nests over, over, um, the off season. So whether that's your cot or it's your sleeping bag, um, you'll make sure that they're clean and dry and put away in a, in a safe spot. I would recommend putting your, you know, washing your sleeping bags at the end of the year, putting them in a big, uh, like a Rubbermaid type tote where they're safe and they're dry and, um, things won't get them, get in them because mice love to build baby mouse nests in sleeping bags. Um, you can use your imagination on how I might know that. So, <laughs> One of my favorite things is to open a cot from the previous year and then find like a sock in it from last year or something like that. <laughs> That's not just my house that that happens. <laughs> yeah. All, all the time. Every other year it seems like there. But yeah, I agree with Laura on that one there. Um, and then the show whites. I think that's really important. And I think they do need a good bleaching. Don't you agree? Yeah, because I, I don't know about everybody else, but I know sometimes, you know, I'll look at it and I think, well, that stains almost all the way out and it's okay and I can get through to the end of the year. But if you wait at the end of the year and really spend the extra time and get out the OxyClean and get out the really hot water, and I'll tell you, a sink full of boiling water um, mixed with OxyClean powder gets just about everything out, including mildew and bad stains. So, you know, spend the time to get your show whites back in, in good shape. And you know, and I know you're probably not going to wear white pants in the off season. We just, you just don't do well, that very often. Laura, so, you're not supposed to wear white pants after Labor Day. That is a fashion rule. I know. Well, so there you go. So <laughs> l- listen to Cam- listen to Cameron and your grandma and don't wear white pants after Labor Day. So, um, For my family, my goal every year is to go around to multiple daughters and say, give me all your show whites, you know, your herd shirts, your show shirts, your white pants. I'm going to put all of them in a big container and we're going to put this container downstairs. Now that has yet to happen that way because inevitably somebody keeps their show whites out and then next spring they don't know where they are and, and we're always scrambling. But I really am going to try to do that this year, put all your show whites together again, maybe put, put it with the rest of your show stuff. So you know exactly where it is next spring. And, and hopefully um, over the winter time, things didn't change. So you can still wear your same show whites the next year. 
One thing when putting your show lights away, in addition to your sleeping bags and sleeping equipment, maybe when you're putting them in those totes or, or something like that, because that's what we do a lot of the time, is put some um, dryer sheets in there. It's going to just add a little refreshment there. It's going to make them just smell a little nicer. Um, and it's going to keep some of that kind of that freshness there um, that makes it feel like it's just, um, it was just washed. So you don't have that stale clothes smell next spring. Yes. Yep. That's, that's a perfect thing to do. Yeah. So, um, and uh, another thing, when you're going through your show whites and you come across those pairs that either, uh, they just don't fit you anymore, or you have children that have outgrown them instead of just trashing them or taking them to Goodwill, you might con might consider bringing them to the first show of the season next year and exchanging them with somebody or just letting other people have them. Cause we all know how hard it is to find show show white pants, especially lately, anything other than skinny jeans have been really difficult. So if you have some nice straight leg or boot cut white pants that you'd like to re-gift to somebody, consider taking them to your next show and, and passing them along. Yeah, I agree on that there. Laura, is there anything else we need to pack away in terms of equipment or anything else for the show season? I don't think so. I do have a question for you, Cameron, and we didn't put this on our on our list of things, but okay. my husband actually brought this up last night. Rosettes. Okay. What the heck do you do with the rosettes that you've gotten over the year? So we actually will um, take a staple gun and we will staple them all to our barn. And we decorate our barn with those. And we have banners and, and the plaques we win. Um, unless it's like nicer china or like um, national show pottery or something like that, we will put them in our barn and kind of use them as decorations um, for the barn. So when people come, um, maybe they come in the fall to breed goats or maybe they come in the spring to pick up goats, they can kind of see some of the success that we've had. Um, and it's a nice reminder that, hey, you know, we, we've had some success this year. That's cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely different. And I remember when your girls came, they're like, wow, this is kind of neat. I said, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely different. Um, the goats do like to chew on them, though, as well. So it can be a nice little toy for them. But it's kind of fun to kind of just see and look back and say, hey, this was a year. And then, um, you know, about kidding season or a little after, we, cl we clean them all off and, and we throw them away. And we then work on the next year. Well, that's fun. That's pretty neat. That's a good idea. Well, I know that I've seen other people with some really creative ideas, but uh, yeah, it, I, it's a nice problem to have. I mean, when you think, ah, what do I do with these rosettes? But, you know, at the end of the year, that is something to consider. So that's a good idea, Cameron. I like that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a champagne problem is what I like to say. Exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> so, so in addition to wrapping up things with equipment and all the stuff that, you know, the, the tangible things, I think it would be a good idea to uh, think about like reflect back on the year, things that we learned and, and maybe some of the gifts that the year brought us. So go yeah. first, Cameron. I want to start out. And I think I only have three things ish. And I wanted to say, I freaking missed my goat show family. Uh, 2020 was terrible, um, except when we started this podcast. Um, but I freaking missed the people. And I think that's what made this show season so special, was just seeing the people I hadn't seen and catching up with them. And in addition to that, meeting 
um, new people as well. Maybe they had gotten into goats in the pandemic or maybe they, you know, just hadn't really been out yet. So um, I freaking missed my goat show family. And uh, to me, all of them, are, it was just so special to see them reconnect with them, find new friends as well, um, and really just um, see everybody. I'm trying not to get emotional thinking about this, but I freaking missed everybody. Yeah. And I, I, I know that we've mentioned this kind of before, but I feel like that everybody had that attitude. You know, there was just yeah. a little more thankfulness, a little bit more gratefulness, a little bit more joy I saw throughout the whole show season this year. And that, you know, if there's, if there's a gift that came to us from uh, um, 2020, maybe that was it, that it made us all just a little more thankful for having the shows that we could go to this year. Yeah. I agree on that there. Um, so that's my first reflection. Laura, what about you? What's your first one? Um, well, kind of along that same thing. Goat people are the very best people. And <laughs> uh, one of the, one of the things that I absolutely loved, I loved meeting people this year that, that said, Hey, I listened to your podcast and we have so much fun. And it's not because I'm like, Oh, you listen to our podcast. It, it like just kind of warmed my heart because that's exactly why we put this together. That's why we wanted to do this. We wanted it to, to enhance community and bring us all together at a time that most of us were feeling pretty isolated. And, and that, that to me was one of the greatest gifts this year. It was fun to meet people who had ideas and, and who've enjoyed, enjoyed this. So that was, that was a really awesome gift this year. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Um, and it's truly amazing what this community has done and, and what we're going to continue to do as well. Um, but I think we'll talk about that a little couple of other episodes later on. Um, but reflecting back to the show season here, one thing I learned is that it's okay to use straw. It's okay to have dirty pens because if you have dirty pens, that means your animals are eating and they're drinking, which means they're producing milk. So in the past you didn't like to use straw, like you would rather use shavings or you're talking about, using too much straw, um, back, giving a nod back to your dad. Yes. So my dad is the king of straw as I refer to him as, um, and I was always adamantly against it because I was like, why are we using so much straw money? But at the end of the day, if your pens are dirty, that means your goats are eating, which means if your goats are eating, it normally means they're making milk. And going back to one of my favorite things to talk about, which Catherine hates when I talk about it, homeostasis they're getting into that homeostasis vibe at a show what they need in order to produce milk and look their best so to me my bit one of my biggest takeaways was it's okay to have dirty pens and use that straw because that means that they are eating and drinking and making milk and being important there yeah nope i i agree with that and one of the things that i um kind of learned this year on along that note We've always, space is always an issue when I go to a show because I don't have a lot of extra room to take things like, like bedding and straw. And um, so I've learned that my does do much better on straw than they do on shavings. Yeah. I know that sometimes you don't have an option because the show requires they have shavings, but, but I really learned they utter up better on straw. They, they, the, they like to chew on straw. So that helps them to barrel out a little bit. And I also discovered that I have some kids that OD on shavings, which is gross. And then they, they get all bloaty and they don't, they eat them. 
Yeah, okay. they eat them. So they get bloated looking and you can tell that they don't feel very well. And so I'm I'm kind of done with that. If I can avoid using shavings, I'm just going to use straw every time. So that was that yeah. was a lesson for me this year. I really liked when I would use the shavings on the bottom and then the straw on top as a kind of a moisture pack there. Um, not moisture pack, but a moisture absorber in order to um, – maybe reduce the amount of straw I needed. That was a good um, idea there. Um, and I really like that. So I will, I will continue to throw that out as one of my reflections there, but yeah. I agree, especially at like national show, it mm-hmm. helps to cut down on um, urine that, that might run or pool or make a, a puddly mess. If you don't have the most even flooring, especially when you're on concrete. Uh, so I would agree with that too, for sure. Laura, I want to explore this one before you before I give my next one here, but I want to talk about blue light. Are you obsessed with it now? <laughs> a little bit. You um, have a problem. You know, I, think, I think I I think I have mentioned the experiment that I did um, on clean water buckets and offering blue light. Um, my brother in law Stanton has always been. Um, I don't want to use the word anal, but I'm going to use the word anal about clean water buckets, like that they need to be scrubbed every, every couple of days. And so um, I started doing that. I started, I bought three new buckets for each pin, three five gallon buckets and they're white. So you can really tell when they're not clean and um, started scrubbing them out and making sure that the water was clean. And I put blue light in um one of the buckets and left the other two with, with just plain water. And it was amazing to me how much more water they drank with the clean buckets and how the blue light bucket was always empty and the other two were not. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a believer that blue light is, is worth every penny and um, yeah, I like it, but I know you've used it for a long time. Yeah. We've used it for five, six years now. Um, I like it as a top dress as well. Um, I think it's a great top dress, uh, if you ever want to experiment with there. And I think it really pushes good production, even in extreme weather, I would say as well. Yeah. It's just, it smells good. They like it. And I haven't ever used it as a top dress. You mean like sprinkling it dry? Yeah. Sprinkling it dry. Yeah. My goats Uh, love it dry. Like I'll clean the bucket out and I'll put the blue light in first and they'll just lick it up. Yes. So I noticed that happening too. I just hadn't put two and two together and thought, Oh, I can use this as a, as a top dressing. So I may do that, but um, yeah, blue light is totally blows every other electrolyte type stuff out of the water that I've tried. So it's, it's worth every penny. As I said, this is not an ad for blue light. We are not getting paid. Um, but, <laughs> no. but we're just telling you, we love it. Yeah. If they would definitely. pay us, we wouldn't accept their money. Yes, Exactly. Uh, yeah, so my next revelation, I guess, of the year is we did something different with cheat tape. Um, we used, started using super glue at the request of my fiance and trying something different with that. And it really worked out well. I will say, though, we will have to experiment with the timing of super glue. But it's not as bad as you think because people are saying, oh, that's super unethical. Oh, man. But my question is, is it more unethical to leave the goat, the milk in the goat, or is it more unethical to have her squirt around and potentially risk a biosecurity issue? So why is, I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Yeah. 
you're using super glue because you're helping your animal to utter up. And maybe yes. that animal is one of those, like a doe that I have that when she sees me and I scratch her face, she thinks it's time to let down. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that she has bad orifices. It's not that she's, um, it's something that should be counted against her as a showing. She just has a really strong let down and she'll do that. So you're just using super glue to help combat the possibility of leaking. Correct. Correct. What's different about using super glue than using stop leak or using liquid bandaid? We really haven't had a lot of success with like a liquid bandage before. Um, we, I don't think it was as adhesive towards it there. And our teats tend to be, I think we have some really loose orifices from my example, from my just experiences there. I felt like we got more coverage with the super glue compared to that there. And then taking it off, we really didn't have a problem with taking it off. Like you've heard some people do that. And one thing I was really concerned about was kind of chafing there of it there when we left the super glue on for long periods of time. And we really didn't see that a lot. So we didn't see any like bad, utter health around the teeth problems with super glue. Yeah, I've used super glue for several years and I've not ever had any problems with it. Um, I agree the timing is a little bit challenging because, you know, for me... I'm usually taping my does after I milk for the last time at night. Yeah. Um, so if you super glue and then tape on top of it, you're going to pull that glue off when you take the tape off. Yep. So you have to be, you know, you're right. You have to be kind of careful at what you're doing. Now, if you take the tape off in the morning and they're too full and they start leaking, it's hard to get super glued to dry because they're still going to keep leaking and it's, yep kind of challenging so there is some timing factors there but i'm i guess i'm surprised that there are people who feel like that super glue isn't isn't acceptable i mean we use it in the medical in the medical realm all the time instead of stitches to to fix things so i don't know i guess i'm maybe i'm a little bit confused i will tell you what i was against super glue at the beginning of the show season I did not like it. I thought it had. I thought it was kind of borderline unethical. But then I started to look at it and saw the benefits of it, and I was like, okay, this takes a lot of stress off of me. And then um, it, it also takes a lot of. I feel like um, it just it makes life a little easier. No, I would I would agree with that. I think that's a good. I think that's a good lesson to learn. Yeah. Um, another big takeaway that I had and everybody's going to be like, well, duh, that shouldn't be a, that shouldn't be a light bulb moment for you, Laura, but um, always bring more hay than you think you're going to need. Cause that was, <laughs> that was an unfortunate show that um, I attended and ran out of hay and um, yeah, my animals didn't look their best because of that. So I learned very quickly, you know, count the number of bales that you think you're going to need and then at least add one more on top of that. It's always better to have to bring hay home than to be scrambling to try to find hay. Yeah, I agree on that. And it's always good to have more than less um, yeah. hay on that. And I've definitely ran out of shows before. So I, I know your pain. Yeah, that's not fun. So um, I also think it's a good idea as we're kind of wrapping this topic up to look ahead to your next year's show season, Cameron, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think as well. And the first thing that I am thankful for is I'm going to send a big old thank you to all the show committees out there that um, put on great shows or just put on shows in general. Um, It's really a thankless job 
Um, and I, I think, again, we do, as the GOAT exhibitors, appreciate it. I always try to say thank you um, to the show committee and have people there that are working. So thank you for your hard work, your talents, and most importantly, your time, because it truly is a great commitment of resources to put on a GOAT show. It is. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you just don't have any idea. And, you know, I'd I'd encourage everybody for every time that you ask a show chairman or a show secretary a question, you realize that they've probably answered that same question 50 billion times. So there's a big commitment of time, let alone the actual footwork of getting that show put together. So there's a lot to do. Yeah. Thinking about that as well, again, remember to support your local shows. Think about volunteering, um, potentially being a ring steward for a breed, or maybe um, jumping in, or maybe you're, 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 maybe someone in your family has good penmanship. Maybe they want to be the uh, show secretary. Really think about helping out. Um, and then also um, thinking about sponsoring a ring or a breed at a show as well. Those shows are not cheap. Judges are not cheap. Um, I will say that because I am a judge as well. I am not cheap, I like to think. Um, but really think about, you know, how can you support your local show, whether it's with your time, whether it's with your talent, or even if it's with your pocketbook. Yes, for sure. And, and I do want to throw something out there. I've talked to two different show chairmen at two different shows. And, and one of them I went up to after the show and told them, how much I enjoyed the show. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciated it. And, and I hope that they would do it the next year. And this show chairman said, well, I'd like to do it next year. And when I talk to people in our club, they say they want to, you know, oh yes, we'll, we'll do it again next year. But it almost kind of sounded like uh, the little hint, the little red hen story. Everybody wants to have a show, but when it comes down to actually putting the show on people scatter and they're not there they're not there to do the hard work. They're not there to, to be the ring secretaries or other things like that. And so I would encourage if you're a show chairman or you're putting on a show this fall, as you're wrapping up and thinking about the show, make a list of all the duties that need to be done and start really early about specifically asking for help. Hey, will you know, so-and-so, will you be in charge of getting enough ring stewards and, and, and make sure that those ring stewards know when they're supposed to work and, and work around their own breeds and have breaks and, and really make it a well-oiled machine. Make sure that you have plenty of help in the show ring so that people aren't scrambling at the last minute trying to figure everything out. Um, you know, if, if, if you have the time to be at a show, even give a little bit of time to, to just volunteer a little bit to make things go easier. Yes, I agree on that. It's, it's super important there. And if they ask for help, don't be afraid to say, Hey, you know, that that's fine. Um, and, and, you know, feel, feel free to volunteer some time as well there. Um, if you are a show, one thing I'll say, and you are show chairman, think about and reflect on how things went this year and then really think about, okay, how can we improve next year? Right. And to those, to our listeners that are newer in Dairy Goats, maybe you think, I don't know anything about putting a show on, or I don't know anything about what it takes to run a show. The best way that you can learn is to jump in with both feet and learn. So, you know, reach out to your show folks and say, Hey, I know I'm new, but I'm eager to learn. And if you'll teach me the ropes, I'll be glad to do this for you. Take, take the time to do that too. Yes. And then for more of the exhibitor side here, let's, let's just show some more of the exhibitor side here and think about next year. Think about 2022. Think about 
where you want to go for shows. Do you want to try a new show? Do you want to maybe attend an old one, but or you didn't get to this year? Make a list of where you would like to go show and then plan how to make that happen. Whether that's you need to save vacation days from your job, maybe you need to conserve resources and think about uh, putting money away for the show season next year. Um, really think about how to make your dreams a reality. And I would encourage you, make it a goal to attend one different show next year. Maybe yes. it's a different state. Maybe it's just a different club. But branch out a little bit because you'll you'll be surprised at how that can change your perspective of your animals and how you feel about your breeding program, just having some different competition. Yeah, I agree on that. Again, competition makes you better as well there and really pushes you to become the best. So really challenge yourself. And it's, I know it's something that um, I always try to do. I, we took on one new show this year. Laura, I think you took on one new show as well. Yep. Yeah. And it's fun. And, and, and you meet new friends. So that's, that's pretty exciting. Yes, it is. There. So really um, think about where you want to go. Maybe make your list now. Maybe you want to say, Hey, I want to go to the Arkansas diamond show. That's in, that's the first weekend of May. Maybe you want to do that or something like that. Or maybe I want to go to the Oregon state fair next year or something or the big E next year. Um, you know, really make that a goal and really think about it and say, Hey, I want to do this next year. So let's, let's, let's figure out how to make it happen. I would also encourage uh, jumping back to the show chairman again. If you can get your show listed early and get your judges um, listed early, that just helps so much more with planning. So um, advertise who you have, be loud and proud and, and get as many people to come to your show as you possibly can by advertising it. Yes. Advertising is key and crucial there. Laura, I think, I think we're, uh, we're good. Anything else? I don't think so. I don't think so. As always, we're happy that you're here with us. And uh, thanks for spending some time with, with your Goat Gab team here. Cameron, want to tell them where they can find us? Uh, yeah, you can find us on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever the heck you get your podcasts. Folks, uh, as always, we appreciate you. If you like us, tell a friend, rate us a review, give us a review. Give us some feedback as well. We always like topic ideas. We always um, work to answer questions if you guys have anything um, as well there. I just, just yesterday, we got a topic feedback that we're looking to incorporate as well. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening to us and have a great week, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you later. <laughs>